If you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then you've been given spiritual gifts. Pastor Trent Griffith reminds us that our gifts have a purpose. By faith, you repent of sin and trust Christ, and He'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then He's gonna make you useful in the church. All of the spiritual gifts are to exalt Jesus. So pursue them, desire them, deploy them for the purpose of building up encouragement, consolation, so that we can exalt Christ together. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. These are busy days for a lot of us. Christmas is coming fast and you might still be trying to figure out what to buy for that hard to shop for relative. Speaking of gifts, think for a moment about the spiritual gifts that God gives his people. In his wisdom, he knows the perfect combination of gifts for you and for me. And we don't even have to wait till Christmas to start using these spiritual gifts. Today, Pastor Trent brings his message to a conclusion. He's talking about spiritual gifts for spiritual people. Let's listen together. Let's talk about what it means to embrace these spiritual gifts. I'm gonna give you five things about spiritual gifts. Here's the first one. Spiritual gifts glorify God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 speak of these spiritual gifts, and he tells us the purpose of them. Each has been given a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace or gift, same word, varied gifts, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever. It is a matter of glorifying and magnifying the atoning work of Jesus Christ, His incarnation, His crucifixion, His resurrection, It is to make much of his life and his teaching and his ministry, his exaltation. That's why God gives good gifts to spiritual people in the church. Number two, spiritual gifts build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, as a matter of fact, you can flip over to chapter 14 now. We'll stay there. In chapter 14, verse 12, he says, Since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit. Are you you eager for the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, the word manifestation just simply means display. It's God on display. It is making God visible. And so he says, if that's your desire, if if you're eager for that, strive to excel in building up the church. Don't tell me that you're all Spirit-filled and Spirit-gifted. If you're sitting on the sidelines on Sunday morning, not building up the church. I want you to understand when it comes to spiritual gifts, you are not given spiritual gifts to use on yourself. Every spiritual gift is to be re-gifted. You are just simply the cabinet. The Holy Spirit sticks it in there. From time to time, he wants to take it out and use it to serve other people. That's the purpose of spiritual gifts. Here's the third thing. Spiritual gifts come in many varieties. I mean, it is like going to Urban Swirl, getting some Froyo. You can mix them. This is all kinds of stuff, all right? I see some amens and nodding heads going on out there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us about the varieties of gifts. We've already read it. It says, now there's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. 
There are a varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are a varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them in everyone to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good, not for you, but for the good of others. There's all kinds of varieties of gifts. Not everybody has the same gifts. I think I'm pretty self-aware of what my gifting is, and you're kind of seeing it right now. This is kind of the best use of me. But I, not everybody's gifted like me, and aren't you grateful? I, and I am grateful. I need a variety of gifts around me. The smartest thing I do around here is just picking people that are different than me to come alongside of me to help me because people need to be gifted. The church needs people that are gifted in all kinds of different areas. In 1 Peter chapter 4, we're told there's basically two categories of gifts. It says this, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Again, oracles, the principles of God, okay? Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Basically two categories of gifts. There are people that speak, they evangelize, they preach, they teach, they lead, they sing, and something comes out of their mouth that is a reflection of the truth of God. And then there's a whole other category of people that actually would have a heart attack if they were required to speak but they love to serve. They love to burn calories for Jesus. They actually even love to serve people who speak. They're not, they don't mind having a background scene. They love serving in that area. It energizes them. They're motivated. Those are people who serve. And now you can kind of start to categorize who you are and how God's gifted you. Listen, every gift is needed in the church. There's about 20 different gifts listed in the New Testament I don't believe that's an exhaustive list. I think there's a lot of gifts that, you know, aren't actually listed in Scripture. And by the way, I have found spiritual gift inventories to be absolutely useless. I, I've taken those. Every time I take one, I find out I'm gifted in a different way. When I was a teenager, I took my first spiritual gift inventory, and it said that I have the gift of administration. Now, people that know me know that was a bad test, okay? I need people that are gifted in administration around me because I'm not gifted in that way. We need one another, and we need to embrace the gifts that God has given us. Now, some of these gifts that God gives are very non-threatening. Gifts like service, gifts like giving, Gifts like hospitality. How many of you are grateful for people that have the gift of hospitality? Oh man, how many of you actually have the gift of hospitality? And, and you're gonna have us over for barbecue um, sometimes. And we love these people. Like man, let's, let's, let's celebrate those people. Some of the gifts are very non-threatening. However, there are some really weird gifts and they make people weird. Now, listen, um, Christians are weird in general, but some of us are gifted with weird, okay? And, and we see a list of these gifts, things like the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, the gift of healing. What do you do with those gifts? Now, I was told that those gifts weren't given anymore. And so you shouldn't expect them, you shouldn't desire them. 
Here's what I have found the scripture to say. Exactly the opposite of what I have been taught. Can I show it to you? First of all, we're told very explicitly in the scripture, do not quench the spirit. When the spirit wants to move, let him move. Let the spirit be the spirit. The reason we quench the spirit is because we want to maintain control. We're afraid of losing control. We're afraid of letting the spirit control. And so we quench. The word quench means to extinguish. Many times the the spirit of God is referred to as a fire from God, a refining fire, a display of God's glory. And when we don't allow the spirit to have control, we extinguish that fire, the, the empowering of the spirit. So we're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, do not quench the Spirit. It, it, could that be any more clear? The second thing that we're told, even in this same verse, do not despise prophecies, but test everything to hold fast to what is good. So that leads us to the question, what in the world is prophecy? The best definition that I found is actually found from an author, a pastor in Oklahoma City. His name is Sam Storms, and he said this. Prophecy is the speaking forth in merely human words of something God has spontaneously brought to mind. The speaking forth in merely human words of something God has spontaneously brought to mind. Does that scare anybody? What what do we mean by that? Oh, do you ever just, it's like, I sense the Lord wants me to do something. I sense the Lord wants me to stop doing something. He brings to mind a person that you love or a person in need. And you feel like, "I, I need to go encourage that person. I need to go console that person. You know what that is? That's the prompting of the Holy Spirit that wants to communicate through you in a way that is non-authoritative, non-revelatory. We're not going to write that down in the Bible. In a way that would encourage someone to build them up, to pursue God. That's prophecy. Does that happen in our church? I think it happens all the time. I think it happens all the time and we never use the word prophecy. People come and encourage me all the time. There's times that people come up to me almost every week and they's like, how did you know? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, that part of the message where you like pointed me out. I mean, you were looking right at me when you shared about that thing. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Um, I'm just like, I'm just like using my gift here and I'm just like explaining the scripture. And I don't really think that my primary gift is prophecy. I just think that every now and then God just kind of shoots it through a gift right to somebody that's in need and they hear that and it spoke right to them. Does that happen in here? That's what we pray happens every time. It's every, this is what I've given my life to. That God would quicken the hearts and the lives through his word. And so a gift of prophecy. I remember a few years ago, Andrew and I were uh, still traveling in life action. We've been to over 400 churches and we went to this church in Holland, Michigan. It was Lakeshore Vineyard Church. It's a charismatic church. 
We didn't go to a lot of charismatic churches in Life Action, so I was a little nervous. And I'm like, it's going to get weird. I know it's going to get weird in here. It's like, I'm going to lose control. I'm going to lose it. I'm like, what am I going to do? If it starts getting out of control, how am I going to gain control? I was like, I had strategies and what I was going to say if somebody started burst into tongues or something, you know, somebody just slain in the spirit. I was like, we're going to fix that quick because I can't lose control. And I got there and I was like, these people were so warm. They were so normal. They were so responsive to God's spirit and they were so word-centered. Bible came out of them all the time as they were speaking. There were times they'd walk up to me and like, I just want to share a verse with you. I just want to share a verse with you. And they would just share a verse with me. I believe God put that verse on their heart for me. Toward the end of the meeting, I had a lot of great conversations with those people and the pastor. We talked about this issue. And, and in reality, we just found out, hey, we kind of believe the same thing. We just kind of use different terminology. Because I would, I would tell people, obey the Spirit. I would say, you know, follow the Lord's leadership. Or I would say, the Lord's prompted me, you know, say that. And he's like, yeah, we're talking the same language. This is exactly what we talk about. We just call that prophecy. Okay. He said, there's one guy in our church. His name is Phil. And he's really the guy in our church that, I mean, he's just obvious. He's got the gift of prophecy. Would you like to meet him? And I said, sure. So we had a great conversation. And we were together for 10 days. At the end of that 10 days, Phil came up to me and, and it was just, we were shaking hands at the end of the evening, just like many of you do. And like, I thank you for your ministry here. And the Lord spoke to me through what you said and some changes I need to make in my life. Um, I, I feel like the Lord has something for you. Do I have your permission to tell you? He was so polite. And I said, sure. He said, I just feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you that you're gonna have an expansive ministry. And the word radio keeps coming to my mind. I don't know what that means. I have, I just take it for what it's worth. I could be completely wrong. He was so humble about it. And you know what that did? That just encouraged me that it's like, just keep going. You may not see response today. It might be hard today, but it's not over, right? Well, about three months later, this was 2006. I got a phone call from um, Family Life inviting Andrew and I to become a part of the speaker team for these Weekend to Remember Marriage Conferences. Well, Family Life has a daily radio program that's heard all over the, the, the nation. And I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting connection. Um, that was 12 years ago. Well, here we are, 2018. Um, you showed up today. The ministry's a lot more expansive than it was then. Probably more people hear me through the live stream than actually ever hear me here. And, um, and I have a radio program that started about three years ago and it's heard here in South Bend. So, cool. But let me ask you, it's like, did that change, did the prophecy change anything? Like, do I have a radio ministry because he said that? Would I still have a radio ministry if he didn't say that? Probably. But what, what did it do? It just, it just encouraged, it built up. And he was so humble about it. It, it, it was just so appropriate, which confirms what, the purpose of the gift actually is. Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Oh, I was told I wasn't supposed to want that one. Oh yeah, that's the one you want. I want to get that one. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Does that scare anybody? How many of you like all in favor of upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation? Well, then we need this gift operating in the church. 
And I believe it happens all the time when you sense the spirit. It's like he puts that person on your mind and he wants you to encourage them. Then go encourage them. We need that gift. Now, prophecies can need to be tested. How do you test prophecies? Number one, you ask, does it exalt Jesus Christ or does it exalt the person that's trying to prophesy? Does it build up the church to make it stronger? Does this prophecy align with the written word of God? Is it consistent with the word of God? By the way, when you're prophesying, it, you can never go wrong to share a scripture. You just never go wrong in that. Now, there, there are some boundaries because prophecy can be abused. Um, John Piper tells a story about a lady that walked up to him one day. She was a lawyer. And she said at the time, um, John Piper's wife was pregnant with their third child. And this woman walked up to him and said, uh, and she was in tears. She, was, she said, I'm so sorry. I have to tell you this. But, but the Lord has put on my heart that your third child is going to be a girl and your wife is going to die in childbirth. And John Piper had the same reaction you just had. Awful. He went home. He got before the Lord. He's like, Lord, can I be honest? I despise that prophecy. What are you going to do? What are you trying to do? So they came time for the child to be born. Sure enough, it was a boy. And Mrs. Piper's doing fine. Now listen, um, if it does not build up, it does not encourage, and it does not console, you keep your mouth shut. And don't you ever walk up to me and say, the Lord told me to tell you. I will look at you and say, the Lord told me to tell you he didn't say that. (laughs) You come with a spirit of humility. You don't assume you know the mind of God. There's too much flesh wrapped up in all of us that we shouldn't test those spirits and understand how humble we need to be when sharing something like this. So do not despise prophecies. What happens when the gift of prophecy is properly working in a church? Let me show you what will happen. Again, back in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 24 and 25. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, all in favor of unbelievers entering the church. All right, let's pray for that to happen. If they do enter, if prophecy is working properly, he will be convicted by all. He will be called into account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed so that falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. All in favor of those things happening? Yes. So what are we saying if we say, yeah, prophecy, that didn't happen anymore? We're basically saying, yeah, we really can't expect sinners to be called into account. We really can't expect people that don't believe in God to start believing in God. We're really not interested in people worshiping God. Maybe the reason why that's not happening more often is because more of us are not operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and using the gift of prophecy. Let's pray that that happens more often. So we're told, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Here's the third thing I found. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Really? Yeah, that one's there too. 1 Corinthians 14, at the end of the chapter... Paul says this, earnestly desire to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. 
Now, it's important where you find this. Again, you can look. It's at the end of three chapters informing us about spiritual gifts. And at the end of three chapters in how to properly exercise spiritual gifts, that's where Paul says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Interestingly, that command follows about 20 verses where Paul puts such restriction on tongues, he does everything but forbid tongues. In verse 5, he says tongues is not near as valuable as prophecy. Verse 9, he says because nobody can understand it, it's useless as speaking into the air in a public worship service. In verse 19, he says he would rather speak five words in his mind with clarity than 10,000 words in a tongue. In verse 23, he says, tongues makes you look like you're out of your mind to an unbeliever. By the way, if you are new to church and you've seen some of those things, may I apologize on behalf of some of our crazy uncles in the faith. And if you are like, if that's your roadblock to hearing the gospel and trusting Jesus, if you just kind of set that aside for a little bit long enough to hear that Jesus died on a cross in your place as a substitute for your sin. And the most important thing for you to do right now is to repent and believe, not receive the gift of tongues, but to receive the gift of eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ and let all that other stuff just kind of set Aside until you begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit, then you can talk about all the other stuff. And so he goes on in the list in verse 28, he says, tongues is not to be done ever in public without an interpreter because it does not build up the church because nobody can understand you. In verse 33, he says, tongues creates confusion for everybody except the one that's speaking in tongues. In verse 38, he says, the one who refuses to submit to these restrictions is subject to church discipline. Then in verse 39, he says, now don't you forbid speaking in tongues. <laughs> yes, sir. And do you know why we're not going to forbid speaking in tongues? Because we are Bible people who can't skip over the parts that we don't like. So what in the world is tongues? I wish I knew. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles are preaching in their native language and people from every nation listening to them hears them in their own language. The Holy Spirit translates one language into another language. By the time we get to 1 Corinthians 12, it appears to be a private prayer language. And we read about that in verses two and three. He says, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men. It's not for the ears of others. It is for the ears of God. For no one can understand him but God. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. So do you know what he's saying? Basically, in private, knock yourself out. In public, find an interpreter that understands what you are saying. And then find an elder who will discern if anybody else needs to hear it. That's it. And so for those reasons, we need to receive what God has given. Listen, if you believe that everyone should speak in tongues, Harvest is probably not the right church for you. If you believe no one ever has the gift of tongues, Harvest is probably not the right church for you. If you can live within those two boundaries, you're going to feel right at home at Harvest Bible Chapel. 
And so we need to understand. Number four, spiritual gifts are to be desired. He says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. Those gifts need to be confirmed by spiritual leaders. You don't get all your desires. You may not get the gift that you want. And then the final thing is this. Spiritual gifts are to be governed. 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbals. Have you noticed we really don't use gongs and, well, I guess we do use cymbals um, in the drums, but that's not all we use. And so it actually creates a distraction. He says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to move mountains and I don't have love, I am nothing. Do you know what he's saying? The greatest of these is love. Exercising a spiritual gift without pursuing love actually kills the ministry of the church. So there are restrictions. And then finally this. After all that is said, he says, let all things be done for building up. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And all things should be done decently and in order. If you're here today and you've never received the gift of eternal life, you don't need to be concerned about any other gift. By faith, you repent of sin and trust Christ and he'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and then he's gonna make you useful in the church. All of the spiritual gifts are to exalt Jesus. So pursue them, desire them, deploy them for the purpose of building up encouragement, consolation, so that we can exalt Christ together. Are you using your spiritual gift? Are you operating in the power of the Spirit? Are you trying to serve the Lord in the power of your flesh? The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to spiritual people to help them fulfill the mission of the church. Father, I want to pray right now for my friends. Thank you for the giftedness in this room. Thank you for complimentary gifts, people that aren't like me, that serve their hearts out out of love for you. I pray that you would fill us with your power we would walk out of here on assignment. And Lord, would you grant gifts that we can't explain by our own intellect, our own power, our own creativity. And Lord, we pray that a watching world would be captured by the supernatural power that is available through the Holy Spirit and through Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts with two main goals in mind. First, that we would bring more glory to Jesus. And second, that we would serve others in the body of Christ to build them up. Do you live in Michiana? Are you looking for a local church where you can exercise your spiritual gifts and serve other believers? If so, think about visiting Harvest Bible Chapel. 
There's more information about how, when, and where when you visit harvestgranger.org. Again, that's harvestgranger.org. Do you need to learn to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? Pastor Trent will explain how next week, right here on Resonate. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart this week as you use your spiritual gifts for His glory and the good of His people. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.